one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. An Erio's original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own Brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado Smith, and I am the alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing the Genoa Bridge Collapse. Here's what you need to know. At the height of Italy's economic boom in 1967, an iconic bridge was constructed in the city of Genoa called the Viadotto Polcevera, or Polcevera Viaduct. Breaking news out of Italy, a bridge has collapsed in the port city of Genoa. Officials there fear there could be many casualties. Oh, 
video posted by Italy's national police and appearing to be recorded in the immediate aftermath. You can hear the voice of the man crying out in concern, and you can see an upright structure fall there the moment of collapse. Now, here's more video. World-renowned engineer Riccardo Morandi designed the 3,800-foot-long cable-stayed viaduct, which became widely known in Italy as Ponte Morandi. Its signature elements were three narrow A-frame towers that were secured with only 12 stays, which extend from the towers to the sides of the roadway, and were responsible for holding the structure up. The Italian press billed Ponte Morandi as impervious to the elements, boasting that its concrete body and stayed cables were so sturdy they would require no maintenance. The structure was considered one of Italy's most important bridges, a symbol of prosperity and innovation, and remained among the most famous landmarks in Genoa for decades after its completion. It wasn't until a fateful day, three years ago, that a once unthinkable disaster changed the legacy of this structure forever. On the morning of August 14, 2018, a fierce thunderstorm hit Genoa. Around 11.30 a.m., a massive section of the bridge collapsed falling nearly 150 feet to the ground. Several cars that had been driving along the roadway plummeted along with the structure, while others were left dangling from broken cables. Many people were crushed by the heavy debris or trapped underneath it. Maurizio Volpara, a firefighter who was part of the rescue team, remembers people screaming for help all around him. In his own words, quote, it was a war scene. Fun Facts, a.k.a. Death Stats. 43 people died as a result of the Genoa Bridge collapse. 16 people were injured, and a whopping 600 were left homeless. In total, a 690-foot section of the bridge collapsed onto houses, railways, warehouses, industrial companies, and into the Polcevera River below. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello, everyone. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. And our very special guest today is dear friend and alarmy favorite, Farron Einhorn. Ciao. <laughs> oh. Ciao, ciao, Bella. Ciao, ciao, Bella. Ciao. She's on theme. <laughs> so our listeners uh, will remember Farron from the Siegfried and Roy episode, as well as the Chilean Miners Two very topical episodes, I guess, for different reasons. Siegfried and Roy is going to be a show, Farron. It's going to How be do you a feel show. About that? I mean, I feel like we also did it before Tiger King came out. If I yes, we were mm. ahead. So of the curb. we knew that tigers were going to be hot. <laughs> we knew it. <laughs> Farron is also a member of our sketch comedy group from uh, way back in the day, Farron. From before. Right? From college, from, from years Harvard before. Sailing the Harvard Sailing right. Club. None of us went to Harvard. None of us are that smart, right? And none of us sail, so it's perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here we are. Um, Farron, since the last time we spoke to you, what has been alarming you? Mm. What has been keeping you up at night? I mean, I would lie if I didn't say climate crisis. <laughs> just gonna just a light topic it's just is there one thing in particular about the climate crisis that like um hits the nail on the head for you or i mean the thing that just sort of like is a constant reminder is how freaking hot it's been 
mm. in LA, like it's almost October and it just feels brutally hot. And so I'm, I'm just, I like sweaters. I like jackets. I like bundling. I like a hot drink. So I'm like extra perturbed that we just haven't been able to like embrace that, mm. uh, that weather yet. So your big complaint is that you're you need a new um, closet. You need a she new can't wardrobe. wear a sweater. No, yeah, Bras my big complaint is I can't wear my my sweaters. <laughs> That's we got a loop in uh, Greta Thunberg. Make sure she mentions that at the next. Uh, yeah, the, I'll, the DM. Like, Farron, I'll DM. Farron Greta. wants more. Farron wants Did warm you call her Greta Thunberg? <laughs> Thunberg. That's right. Okay. Why? What do you think, Clayton? I thought you said Greta Thunberg. <laughs> Greta what? Tutenberg. Like Tutankhamen. <laughs> we'll have to tear down Greta Tutenberg on this podcast. No. <laughs> she's a freaking she, star. She's like the alar- she's a lar- she's an alarmist. The only hope we have. She's an alar- she would be the best guest expert for Someday. everything. Are you Let's kidding? She's literally dedicated her life to ringing the alarm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> True. Clayton, why haven't you emailed her yet? Get her on the show. Oh, on shoot. it. <laughs> okay, so we have to start talking about this because this is a there's so much to cover and this is one of those tragedies that is like, oh no, oh no, oh no. You know? Mm-hmm. You know that feeling that we have so often on this podcast? Mm-hmm. Get ready for that feeling again <laughs> that we love. Um, okay. Just to kind of give us an idea of how what was happening, what the moment of the bridge collapse must have felt like. Here are some, just a, a few quotes from an article in the New York Times. David Capello had just driven out of the tunnel and onto the main bridge over Genoa in a heavy summer rain when he heard a low, dull rumble all around his car. It was not thunder. Mr. Capello, 33, glanced upward and saw a huge cloud of white dust rising up in the fog and rain. A white sedan 20 or 30 yards away ahead of him seemed to disappear into a void. <clears throat> he hit the brakes, but the emptiness advanced toward him as the road fell away, section by section, like a staircase to oblivion. In a split second, his car was plummeting, nose down, the wheel windshield darkened by dust and concrete blocks flying past him. Quote, I'm dead, I'm dead, he cried. Some cars still lay on the bridge roadway, but were so flattened by the heavy concrete debris that ha- had rained down, it was hard to even make out their model. Others were dangling from steel cables. It was a war scene, said Maurizio Valpada, an experienced fireman and coordinator of a team that rescued a man from a van dangling from a steel cable 25 yards in the air. Jeez. The cabin of the van was facing down toward the ground, he said, and the back had been bombarded by concrete blocks that had plummeted from the bridge's deck. The young man trapped inside, his face pushed against the dashboard, was screaming, please come and get me, get me out of here. Mr. Valpera recalled people screaming everywhere. A handful of survivors fallen from the bridge, rescuers, personnel from the city's garbage company, whose warehouse was right next to the bridge, and finally residents. It'll make you think twice before you drive over or under any bridge ever, trusting that they did it right. Trust me that this episode will, you'll never drive again. Exactly. I'm not getting in a car, (laughs) let alone getting anywhere near a bridge. That is a Uh, nightmare passage. Nightmare. 
just the thought of like seeing what's ahead of you disappear suddenly mm-hmm. and just feeling the shake <laughs> like seconds before you all of a sudden start plummeting downward is what nightmares are made of. Truly. It's like, I feel like that adrenaline in my body, even just like thinking about it for a moment. I it mean, feels like action movie esque, and it feels you know like you see this stuff, and you're like, "This is so unreal." And for at least for me, I feel like uh, maybe it's I'm desensitized, desensitized to it, but it's hard for me to actually fathom that happening because I just my mind doesn't want to go there. Because if it did, I think I'd be truly actually traumatized about my day to day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We have to not go there to literally get up out of bed every morning, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 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 I mean, I was thinking when you started that, that I was thinking that this car was like, had crossed the bridge, was on the other side and was looking in his rear view, you know, like sliding doors of like, oh, what if I had just missed that red light, you know, a few streets Mm -hmm. back and was on Mm -hmm. the bridge instead of getting across like that is survivor's guilt too, you know, if you were the person that had. Like, could you imagine you cut someone off so that you could make the light and then you got on that bridge and crossed and the person behind you didn't make it? Mm-hmm. Whoa. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. And I also think about that constantly. I really? think about that every time I get on a plane. I think about that every time I, you know, if I'm like running late for something and then I see that there's an accident on the highway, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So welcome to my brain. And this is, I feel like this is different than like a natural thing, like a natural thing seems unpredictable, but because this is comes down to like, this is human engineering and, and ultimately error. This feels it, it hits different. It does. Yeah. And let's start uh, hitting up some things to put up on the board mm-hmm. while we're at it. First off Mussolini. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> cool. Tell me about it. Cool. 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 <laughs> Okay, so this is according to The Guardian. The material was perfectly suited to post-war Italy. This is what the material that it was uh, built from. The country couldn't afford the amount of steel necessary to build something like the Brooklyn Bridge. Steel was in short supply because of international sanctions that had been placed against the fascist government. And Italy lacked the resources to produce steel domestically. It was, however, rich in the clays and river sediments necessary for concrete production. Wow. Yeah. So... So it was like out of necessity that they made this bridge out of concrete. Yes. Yep. Uh, makes you makes you think about uh, these these sanctions we put on other countries, and you're like, oh, big deal, sanctions, and it, you're like, oh, it kind of hurts their economy, um, whatever. But then they're left to sort of their own devices in terms of they got to make ends meet. They got to make things work. Mm-hmm. They got a country to build. They need a bridge. But and, then I um, feel like Italy like twisted it and they were like, okay, we're going to make our limitations work for us. We yeah. are like amazing engineers with concrete. Look at what we can do. Like, wasn't this right. bridge like a symbol of pride for yeah. them from this, like starting in the sixties. So it was like, great. We're going to make, what is it? A mountain out of a molehill or lemonade out of lemon. You know, wait, mountain out of a molehill <laughs> is a different thing. <laughs> That's like make- when you're over, <laughs> What is that? A mole climb a mountain. <laughs> That's when you're over. Eliminated. Like it's not a big deal. You're making a mountain out of a. Right, right. You're making Stop a mountain making out of a mole hill. Well, they actually did make a mountain out it's of a true. mole hill. The it's concrete true. was it's a true. mole hill. But they also made lemonade out of melons. Melons. Oh wait, lemons. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Melonade. 
<laughs> they made some a melonade bridge. <laughs> um, it, it's a good point. It's like you, you, it's almost like they're uh, they were optimistic. They were po- they were being positive about their situation. Mm-hmm. Why isn't melon juice more popular? Like, why isn't melon juice like melonade a thing? I don't sounds know, delicious. but someone should get it on it. It sounds delicious, yeah. and those fruits are particularly juicy. Is what? I, maybe that's the problem, though. <laughs> Could. Um, they're too juicy. It's and bad I, brand. No, there's nothing juicier than like orange juice. Anyway, <laughs> we need to put up environmental corrosion mm. uh, before we get too uh, distracted. Now, this is according to The Guardian. A team of experts working with in- the investigators issued a report stating that the bridge samples analyzed showed evidence of corrosion and some construction errors, but they steered clear from attributing a cause to the collapse Mirandi himself, who was the designer of the bridge, was surprised to see the structure age faster than he had anticipated. In 1979, he issued a report detailing a number of interventions to protect the structure against pollution from nearby factories and the salty sea air. Little, however, was done. And by 1992, the trademark concrete cables were heavily corroded. So, I mean, this is just, we, we have to just put the environment, right? You the, know I'm down. <laughs> Get well, it up there. <laughs> I think 100%. The, that what they built in the 60s, they didn't anticipate the kind of climate change that was going to happen in the decades to come. So they didn't, you know, when they made this bridge, he was like, it's a, it'll need such low maintenance. Mm-hmm. But that was taking into account how the world looked back then. And I feel like we often build things for what we need now. And then, you know, 30, 40 years down the road, we're like, oh, well, we didn't ever anticipate, you know, the roads having this much traffic on them or this much use. So you got to take that into account when you're talking about the the longevity or life of a structure like that. You want to put short term thinking up on the board? Uh, Well, I actually was going to discuss this and I I was going to call it uh, the changing times. Mm. Um, Okay. And this is uh, according to Remo Calzona, and this was a bridge engineer who was a student of Mirandi's, and they were interviewed and said, when he finished the bridge, everyone applauded Mirandi, but soon after the bridge started showing problems and he became worried about it, in 1980, he was asked to go to Genoa and inspect the bridge because it wasn't working as it should. There were cracks. Autostrada, who was in charge of the bridge, would call him every time they saw cracks or when it would move too much. Mirandi was concerned because the bridge was moving too much when cars were driving on it. These signs appeared after 10 years. The, loads, the load was more than he expected. When the bridge was built, there were probably 10 cars a day driving on it. Then there were a hundred, then a thousand, and we went from a small from small light cars to thousands of trucks carrying huge amounts of weight. That put the bridge under enormous stress. The bridge wasn't used in a way that Mirandi had been uh, had designed the bridge to be used, but it wasn't his fault. Mirandi told Autostrada about the problems, but they told him to get lost. Mirandi was obsessed with the bridge even in his late years. Oof, wow, could you imagine being like? knowing that it's cracking and something's mm-hmm. going wrong and trying to tell people and it not being listened to. And you're oh, the boy. one who did it too. Like knowing that you created it yeah. and it's failing, that's like some real shame or guilt. Yeah. Like yeah. I feel like he, like Mirandi is someone that I would want to blame, but I can't blame him because I feel like he did what he could in this situation. I do think what, going back to what Chris was saying though, I feel like 
changing times is different. Yeah, melon juice. (laughs) Changing times does seem different than like the lack of what were you saying, Chris? Like lack of uh, foresight or something. Short sightedness. Short, short, short short term thinking. Because changing times, yes, that happens natural, but like that feels different. That isn't your job as an engineer to anticipate all the uses of whatever you're building. Right. Like the bridge has one, you've got one job, right? Like hold heavy loads, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. as a bridge, (laughs) like you've got one job. It's not a bridge. Yeah, but it's true. (laughs) But you see those, uh, you see those signs like max capacity on bridges, Mm -hmm. right? How many times have you gotten in an elevator where it's like max capacity, like 10 people and then like 15 people squish in? Nightmare. We we did that on a daily basis in high school. Well, anyway, go on. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. It's it's. How do you get people to adhere to max capacity? What if the times change too fast that you can't regulate at the pace that the times are growing at? And how I don't know that Miranda. I'm kind of agree with Farron. Like I don't know that Mirandi could have anticipated that. And that's up to I think. Probably like Italian Transport Authority or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a... Maybe I'll look into that. Yeah. And we'll... we'll Maybe this... Uh, we'll get to that. Um, but before we, we talk about the, the authorities, let's talk about the, um, the bridge itself and perhaps what caused it to fail. So I think that we should put lack of redundancy up on the board. And we're like, okay, well, what is redundancy, right? Um, I didn't know. Uh, yeah, we did. We learned this during the uh, Pittsburgh bridge collapse. It, no, the uh, the one in West Virginia. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's escaping me. It's the oh, one that geez, happened during come Christmas. On, guys, I'll look um, that up. Yeah, it's West Virginia. And um, anyway, keep going. Anyway. Redundancy. So how how does this? Um, so the way it works is that if if a single stay fails, and the stays are are the cables, right? Mm-hmm. Um. If if it failed on the Mirandi Bridge, the bridge is more likely to collapse. The way that modern cable-stayed bridges are um, built, uh, they use may- way more stays. Um, it's hard to explain, but um, it's just think of like a bunch of way more cables versus the Mirandi Bridge. Uh, Only had like 12, right? It had like one and they were inside concrete, Right. So this is according to the New York Times. After the building of the bridge, engineers gradually recognized that the structure had so few crucial supports that even if one of them failed, an entire section could collapse. Mm. There is no robustness or the possibility of redistribution of the forces, said Massimo Majowiki. I said that wrong. I'm sorry. An architect and engineer in Bologna northern italy the lack of redundancy as it is now often called quote is not necessarily inconsistent with how bridges were designed in the 1960s said donald dusenberry a structural engineer with simpson uh, gumpster and heger in boston andrew herman a structural engineer who is a former president of the american society of civil engineers described the peril in the clearest possible terms quote if you lose one stay the whole thing comes down. According to engineering.com, stays are a crucial part of a cable-stayed bridge. They pass directly from the towers to the deck, helping distribute the weight of the bridge evenly across the towers. The main difference between the cable-stayed bridge and its close cousin, the suspension bridge, is that cable-stayed bridges 
lack the primary cables that connect towers to one another. They rely only on the cables that pass from tower to road. Whew. Most cable-stayed bridges have multiple stays that fan out from the towers and uh, attach to multiple points on the deck. This is what I was describing. This helps distribute the forces on the deck. Mirandi's bridge only had two stays per tower, one on each side. The composition of these stays was unique. Most cable-stayed bridges have stays made of woven metal cables. Instead, Mirandi used pre-stressed concrete around tie rods. Hmm. So this is getting very technical. I'm sure there are some people out there who understand, you know, tie rods are are just, um, how do I explain? Like, you see them on the back of uh, construction trucks. Um, <laughs> they're like... These uh, metal, cab- n- not cables, but like metal, thin. Is it like metal, like rope almost? Like it looks like. Well, that's what the, what that's what the modern bridges use. That's, right? what the, that's what they use. But this is not that. It's like, you know, like you see them like bunched up. <laughs> Ever got a Home Depot people? Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, look it up. I'll Google it's it. called, yeah, Google it. Uh, tie rods. I'm wa- anyway, I, I'm wondering. Do you know if like the lack of stays was this like an aesthetic choice? Was Mirandi like this will look so beautiful, or was it out of necessity because of the materials that they had? I think both. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what I've I've heard, obviously there was a necessity. They didn't have that the amount of steel um, necessary to maybe do all of those. Uh, uh, you know, uh, what are they called? Um, stays or the stays like, the, but the, the more coiled, um, braided ones that look like a rope mm-hmm. and, and there's like multiple ones from one tower, you know, that are coming out of one tower. Can, um, can I just throw something, yeah. just hearing all, all of this, you know, it sounds a lot like, uh, you know, someone wants to install like. A deck and it's like yeah we could install it with the best material but we can't get it we can use this other material but it might like collapse in like two years so it's your choice and it seems like is there that said is there room for just like human hubris again i know we talk about this idea that like them being like well we can't get what we really should use to build this really like important structure but we're going to do it anyway with what we have because we just feel like we can do it it almost sounds like human ingenuity which is like a good thing but sometimes if it's not safe then it's a bad thing right or you just sort of it's like it's like um wishing for the best right where you're like well even though that's the less sturdy deck for my you know to use the deck analogy like it'll last for a couple of years that's great and then i'll replace it yeah and hopefully it'll last more than a couple years you know like Mm. it's like when you move into a new house and like the system's old and you're like well i'm not going to replace it until it breaks you know yeah wishful thinking or or oh yeah wishful thinking is good Mm -hmm. um and and just to uh uh, finish the 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 question or fully answer that question fair and like he also thought that putting those rods which were not braided and did not look like braided cables coming off of a tower he thought it would be aesthetically nice to put it in inside the concrete Mm. Mm. just like a clean modern design yeah i mean i do love a concrete look it's very sleek right now you know (laughs) very very sleek (laughs) so is there room for vanity vanity up on the board (laughs) yeah just aesthetics (laughs) you know 
Um, I want to throw something out there. I don't know if you guys have heard any rumors about this, but have you heard about mafia involvement? No. No. Cosa Nostra? A little bit. Yeah. Okay. 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 Go on. Apparently um, in the sixties, when this bridge was built, the concrete, the, the concrete industry was owned by like one or two mafia families. That's where they put the dead bodies. Is that what you're going to say? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to put a target on my back and you know <laughs> say anything more than that. Sure, sure. But uh, I'm just saying. Did you hear any rumors about uh, any sort of mafia involvement? I mean, I, I know that there is corruption, which we'll discuss in 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 a second. But I hadn't heard about the the concrete mafia family. Yeah. yeah. They, they, uh, you know, I'm not going to name names, but uh, it was. <laughs> sounds apparently. like you know something. It sounds like you know something, Fairy. It's my family. So, um, so I guess. <laughs> does that mean we put. Uh, the Einhorns. <laughs> that, From the Italy. Einhorns of Gen- Genoa. <laughs> does that mean we put. Uh, uh, like, are you suggesting, I guess, that the concrete was. They were trying to make some better margins on the concrete, so it wasn't as high quality concrete. Or do you think it was just sort of look if you if you associate with uh, known criminal criminals, you sort of uh, might get karma coming your way? Or is there a little bit of both? Yeah, maybe a little bit of both. Maybe there was an incentive, an extra incentive to use concrete, you know, like as mm. as a material. Sure. As opposed think- to like pushing harder to get steal from elsewhere oh, or pay a little bit of a premium to get steel and mm. and kind of bullying them to use the concrete because you're the mafia yeah of course i mean okay you know, they don't they don't have to do much it's true okay, just we're, say we're, i'm mafia do what i want <laughs> we're getting a little bit into the you know putting ourselves in the head of the mafia here yeah love <laughs> that spin-off uh, episode <laughs> <laughs> but let let us talk about concrete and I would like to put up on the board the 60s confidence in concrete. Mm. This is according to Euronews, Genoese architect Diego Zoppi, former president of the Genoese order, uh, told the ANSA news agency that the bridge was flawed in its construction. Quote, the problem with the Mirandi Bridge is that the tie rods were made of concrete and not metal. In the 1960s, they did not expect concrete to degrade and then collapse. Fifty years ago, there was unlimited confidence in reinforced concrete. It it was believed to be eternal. With the continuous vibrations of traffic, the cement cracks let air pass through, which reaches the internal metal structure, making it oxidize. This is according to the New York Times. The concrete of the day turned out to be highly vulnerable to degradation. Cracks in the concrete shell let water in, and the steel began corroding almost as soon as the bridge was opened for traffic in 1967. But unlike with bare cables, only any corrosion was hidden deep inside, making it hard to detect. There you go. Mm-hmm. This is it was world highly concrete. You couldn't exactly. see the there are a couple, erosion yeah, exactly. in, the, in the beautiful vanity of the concrete. <laughs> uh, Worldhighways.com says Gabrielle Camomila, engineer of the direct and director of research and maintenance at Autostrada, quote, the real Achilles heel, Achilles heel of the Polsevera viaduct 
is not the design, but the materials and the knowledge at the time regarding their behavior due to fatigue and the effects of environmental agents. As regards to the as regards the concrete, we have to remember that in the 1960s, no criteria existed, such as exposure classes and durability, which came about in the 1980s. So they started learning more about concrete in the 80s, but if you're building in the 60s, you don't have the classes of the future. No, you well, do also, not. <laughs> also, I mean, that's true, but also sort of weren't these factories that were, were, you know, emitting these, changing the air around this bridge, and that was affecting it. How are you supposed to anticipate what factory is going to get built next to this mm. bridge? Mm-hmm. So, you know, now mm. they, like, there's, and you know, that's something that I guess that, has it has been developing since the 60s but yeah i think the 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 60s and and what they knew what they didn't know but the, uh, is a big one about you know environmental agents affecting this uh, like a, these materials. everything that's built nowadays you know you're supposed to get like a i forget what the term is but it's like an environmental impact inspection and or waiver if you're even if you're going to build like a home it's like what's the, what it's going to replace the, what might it you know, bring to that community. And it seems like in the sixties we were, you know, that stuff wasn't considered as much perhaps like about, you know, building this bridge, what's that going to do to the environment versus all like Chris, to your point, now they're bringing in these factories and they're not thinking how that might affect the literal uh, efficacy of a bridge. Right. It just makes me think too, like they're like at the time concrete is as good as, what did they say? It was as good as gold or it was like indestructible. Yeah. Yeah. What, 50 years from now is going to be that thing, you know, like hindsight's 2020. Like how do we, you know, you're just, you're going off of your best knowledge that you have at the time. They weren't short cutting. They were just like, that was the knowledge that they had at the time. Right. Yeah. And as the environment continues to change and and, and the climate continues to change, what, yes, exactly. What's going to erode? What are the materials we're using today that are just going to be like laughable in the future? Okay. I Mm -hmm. have a, I have a guess plastic so much right now is made of like heavy duty plastic and Mm. it's so much you know it's it's claimed to be like so much better than you know whatever copper pipes and like all the you know i'm thinking of pipes really because we just had work done on our (laughs) plumbing work done but you know it's like oh these old pipes are eroded let's put this like that hard plastic i feel like years from now we might be like ah definitely nothing gets through it but you know what with heat it omits like gases and like who the hell knows like it's mm-hmm. it could right. just be killing us totally slowly. i'm i'm ready to like cancel plastic you know it feels <laughs> like we're headed in that direction as a society it's so hard though everything is plastic almost everything you you can see yeah it's true there was this article recently about like um there are like more microplastics found in like babies poops than ever before <gasps> mm. so much microplastic, you know, you put formula or milk in a bottle and you heat up the bottle and the plastic from the heat, like gets into the liquid. Even if like a baby's like sucking on like a piece of fabric, it's like threading is like also like a fiber is a type of a microplastic. It's like so crazy that these (laughs) microplastics are just like getting ingested and coming out in Mm. baby's poops like never before. Oh, and like, what can we do? It's just how we live now. Okay, I'm going to go through these relatively quickly. Also to put up on the board is Pylon 9 Construction. This is a new civil engineer. This is uh, from there. 
website, University of Roma professor of architectural engineering, Tulia Lori, said that contractors failed to follow designs outlined by Morandi, and that was ultimately what led to the collapse. Mm -hmm. Lori claimed that the construction of the pylon uh, or the tower, which ultimately failed, was not done according to Morandi's designs, and that and that allowed water to enter the pylon, which corroded the steel cables. So they didn't follow the plans, according to Lori. From pictures being examined as part of the investigation, it is clear that not all of Mirandi's drawings were followed to the letter during construction. We know that Mirandi's cables d- designed uh, was respected in other pylons, but not on pylon nine, where the cables were wrapped by a steel sheet instead of concrete. This is the This is the one that fell down. This construction error did not have an immediate impact on the structure, but created a finite passage for water to enter and after 51 years allowed for corrosion. Something went wrong on the construction of Pylon 9 during construction. The other sections didn't break, which proves Mirandi's design was sound for For years, the bridge was an icon of great Italian engineering. Now it is an icon of the decline of Italian engineering. Mm. Um, and this is just to, so this is a a, a Reuters says in 2021 prosecutors said that the collapse was triggered by the rupture of the load bearing cables inside the stay of the bridge's ninth pillar, which were eaten away by a highly corrosive atmosphere over 51 years in 51 years of the bridge's life. Not the slightest maintenance work was carried out to reinforce the stays of the ninth pillar. Um, and uh, this is what prosecutors said in their document. So just to make this clear, maintenance was done in all of the other pillars, right? But the ninth, you know, fi- was never touched. Wow. Be- and you're saying that's because they wrapped it in a steel sheet instead of concrete? Uh, I don't know why they didn't reinforce because that that particular one, because they did spend 5.5 million euros on reinforcing the 11th and the 10th. But the number ninth was not deemed dangerous. Jeez. We're going to need we need this is where we'll have hopefully hopefully an expert to sort of illuminate a little bit more because I'm a little confused still. Did they not reinforce it because it was wrapped in the steel and they couldn't see the stays behind, well, uh, like, like they, well, why did they skip it? It was wrapped in concrete. No, no, no. The ninth was wrapped in steel, you said. No, no. They were all uh, in concrete. I'm just saying the inside. They couldn't see that it was done differently than the other ones because because of the concrete that surrounded it. It wasn't until later that they realized that it was um, built in a way that wasn't up to Miranda, you know, what Mirandi had stated. Outlined in his plans. And even exactly. he was saying... Didn't you say like in 1992, he looked at the corrosion and he was like, this is a little bit more than I was expecting it to look like at this stage of its life. And like nobody really did anything. Yeah, no. And, and that that goes to poor maintenance, which we should also mm-hmm. put up on the board. Yeah, who's responsible for, for that, you know? Exactly. Like- so this is um, according to worldhighways.com, Gabrielle Camomila, engineer and director of research and maintenance at Autostrada said, the first and, form, uh, first and foremost consideration concerns maintenance. Maintenance is not an activity of secondary importance intended as a repair due to decay. Rather, it is a scientific method of predicting deterioration and the pre- preventative elimination 
of phenomena that lead to more serious problems. So what a she's great saying, definition of maintenance. By I the know way. that is that really <laughs> elevates maintenance to its whole own new level. Like incredible, give maintenance the respect it deserves. It's not just to maintain what exists. It's like to to tell the future of crazy things that could happen. Like give maintenance that kind of aura around it. The I love gravitas. That. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And she, I, I love the way she's thinking, mm-hmm. you know, like a true alarmist. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so um, this is uh, uh, years before, according to the New York time years before part of the structure dissolved in a lethal cascade of concrete and steel. It required constant repair and experts in parliament industry and academia raised alarms that it was deteriorating and possibly dangerous. An independent 467 page report released in 2020 said if in any of these faces, the proper checks were made, it was highly likely that they could have prevented the tragedy, the lack and or inadequacy of the checks are the weak link in the system. So important. Yes. Let's change the, the, the conversation around maintenance. Let's put it higher on our priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's also discuss Autostrada. So this is the, the company that managed the bridge. Here we go. This is according to the Guardian. Autostrada per, per Italia, then owned by the state, decided to add extra new cables around the corroded ones rather than replace them. It also neglected to retrofit the remaining two sets. It was probably simple neglect that felled the bridge. In April of 2018, Autostrada, uh, now a private company, finally decided there was no more time to waste and issued a tender offer to retrofit the bridge. The repairs were supposed to start last autumn. So they knew they were it was going to get fixed in 2018. Wait, so the bridge collapse happened in August of 2018? Yes. And this was, uh, they decided this in April of 2018. Oh, God. So they were going to do the fixing later that year. Yeah. So this is another quote. They waited 25 years and then the bridge collapsed. This is how things go in Italy. You start something and you never finish it, says Saggio. New York Times says, (laughs) yeah, real burn. Uh, Other five-star officials political party in Italy, blamed Autostrada uh, per Italia, the company that operated the highway, including the bridge, saying it charged heavy tolls on the many highways it manages, but did not invest enough in maintenance. The company is part of the Atlantia Group, owned primarily by, by the Benetton family, one of Italy's most famous business dynasties. United Colors of? Yes, that Benetton. I think it's, I think it's Chris is on it. um, But the Benetton family, I must have something, right? I know that United Colors is an Italian company. Oh wow! So there's got to be some connection. Yeah, it looks like it is. Um, Okay, so this is a a quote from the Deputy Prime Minister Luigi Di Maio, um, and says, "When we pay a toll, we imagine that part of that money will be reinvested in the maintenance of bridges and roads." If instead of investing, they divide up profits, that's when bridges collapse. Mm-hmm. Reuters Reed. says, I know. Between 1982 and the collapse of 2018, structural works on the viaduct cost 24.6 million euros and Autostrada paid less than 2% of them. 
This situation cannot be justified by the inadequacy of the necessary financial resources at Autostrada, prosecutors said, adding that the company ended in the black each year between 1999 and 2005. The documents at Autostrada's annual net income was at least 586 million euros in the period between 2005 and 2017, when the company distributed 80% or more of its profits to its shareholders. So the money was just being given to the people who owned it. The big C, baby. Cap- capitalism. Should we throw capitalism yeah, up on the board? Yeah, capitalism and corruption, privatized infrastructure. Yeah, I'd like to know how many bridges are owned by private companies. Like, I'm going to, I feel like every time I go on a bridge now, I'm just going to pull over to the side before I go on the bridge, <laughs> quickly Google what year it was built and who owns the bridge. Quickly. Who owns it? Like, just what can I, you know, what, what, what kind of thing can I take into my own hands to, uh, you know, prevent some of this alarmist behavior? And that's what I'm going to do. What are you going to do if you find out that it is owned by a private company? Are you just not going to go over the bridge? Yeah, I'm going to weigh alternate routes and <laughs> go city streets or take a farrier. I don't know. It just seems like something that I could do. I would hate to you know, ignore that and then have something catastrophic happen to me. You know, it's like I could have prevented that. Based on that, um, I think we need to put corruption up on the board and privatized infrastructure. This is according to the New York Times. Economic professor Marco Ponti took aim at the private company that managed the structure, raising two fundamental concern. One was money. Mr. Ponti argued that Autostrada per Italia or Highways for Italy, which managed the bridge and more than half of Italy's 4,000 miles of toll roads, made abnormal profits. The other was the lopsided power balance between Autostrada and the Italian government. Mr. Ponti, who served on an expert panel advising the government, said ministries did too little to regulate the company. The collapse was expo- has exposed what critics say are deep systemic failings in how Italy privatized roads. Autostrada... Uh, reaped huge profits and acquired so much power that the state became a largely passive regulator. Not good. The government was happy to leave the system to exploit drivers and share in the bounty produced by tolls, Mr. Ponti said. And because it's a long concession, nobody is really looking at it except bureaucrats and the superpower that is Autostrada, he added. And they became close friends. (laughs) So... There is no doubt that Autostrada's contract is extraordinarily favorable and profitable to the Benettons, the wealthy Mm. Italian family who owns the company. It It lasts until 2038, so that's when the contract lasts up till, and allows Autostrada to raise tolls annually. Experts say that the inspection arrangement is unusual and that other governments require more oversight of privatized bridges and highways. So, and this is a, a, a note that um, our researcher Alex put on the doc. I think she was um, very incensed by this uh, specific aspect. <laughs> um, and Alex says, uh, Italy is not alone when it comes to wealthy capitalist democracies failing to improve and invest in its infrastructure. In March 2021, American Society of Civil Engineers gave the nation's infrastructure a grade of C- minus mm. on its quadrennial infrastructure report card. 11 of the 17 infrastructure categories evaluated were graded in the D range. Great. And many, 
Just infrastructure great. systems are increasingly susceptible to catastrophic failure. That was according to NPR. And then she, uh, she goes on to say, in August of 2021, so this August, the American Senate approved a $1 trillion infrastructure, $1 trillion infrastructure plan, which sounds good in theory. However, the American Society of Civil Engineers cites that $2.59 trillion are needed to meet our urgent infrastructure needs. So we're about $1.5 trillion below mm. budget, or... or <laughs> We need 1.5 trillion more. Should we start a Kickstarter or a GoFundMe? Yeah. <laughs> that is yeah. insane. That is like just another thing to worry about now. Just that we have like a critical infrastructure need. Yeah. Wow. Do we want? We should really move on. But do you want to put like the Benetton family up there or anything else before we start? Talking? Let's put the Benetton family on. Okay. And. Then we'll take a break. Well, do you have guys a, have anything else? Yeah, I have a couple of things. Farron, oh, do you yeah. have anything? Nope. Let's throw them up. Okay, so bad concrete. We don't have that, but that's what they said. <laughs> well, really, they yeah. said it started eroding right away. Then also you want to say hiding the concrete, hide, hiding the cables. So the concrete hid the cables, which prevented people from seeing the deterioration that was taking place because the water and everything else was getting through the concrete into the cables but they couldn't see the deterioration i thought that was i had that under aesthetic vanity that's kind yeah. of what okay. i was thinking covers that unless you want to separate it out that's fine i uh, okay. well, make sure that we know when we're talking about vanity that that's what we're no no sure to. yeah yeah and then naivete uh, with regard to climate agents i i thought that that was in the 60s yeah was that something we put up on the board we put up 1960s concrete, concrete confidence, confidence. Or maybe concrete naivete. Well, I think it was more about, less about the concrete and more just about them at the time not having the sort of protocols within the industry that anticipated the shift, you know, how how environmental agents affect mm-hmm. uh, these things. And I guess that falls into just 1996, maybe not concrete confidence, but maybe just like the you know 60s uh construction uh something way construction ways wishful we had wishful thinking that yeah. kind of cut around that too but if you if you I, think I feel it's like more if specific they, if they had had gabriella camomila's uh definition of maintenance that would have helped sure that would have <laughs> let's okay so these are great and let's take a break and then we'll start knocking things off the list Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Okay, who's to blame for the Genoa bridge collapse? Is it Mussolini? Environmental corrosion? The changing times? Lack of oversight and planning, lack of redundancy, wishful thinking, aesthetic vanity, mafia involvement, 1960s concrete confidence, pylon nine construction, <laughs> poor maintenance, or Autostrada per l'Italia. Keep going higher. That's as high as I could go. You got that's four more to go. You got to cut. You got to. <laughs> oh, keep I don't. Going they're out. not. Oh, they're not um, on my. Thing I'll do them for Chris. Oh, I got it. I got it. Okay. Or capitalism, ca- <laughs> capitalism, corruption, privatized infrastructure, Benetton family, concrete, bad concrete. Oh gosh, this is what the, what, the, a, what a bit. Beautiful. The pitch alone <laughs> of wrong. that could make something shatter. So be careful with that power you have, Chris. I want to see just how many listeners we lost in that list. Um, yeah, that, that, that tone. Did you say it could shatter concrete, Clayton? Am uh, I, just I said, I said? said, I didn't say concrete, but oh, no, steer clear of, <laughs> maybe steer clear of com- concrete with that voice. So uh, just in reading these, I think that we could put wishful thinking and lack of oversight into the changing times or, or actually wishful thinking and the changing times into lack of oversight and planning. Okay. Mm-hmm. I also think that bad concrete could be put uh, folded into environmental corrosion, right? Uh, what are you thinking, Farron? I feel like environmental corrosion is... Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. Well, it didn't work because of the environmental corrosion. Right, I, I understand, exactly. yeah, the difference. The concrete wasn't as um, effective as, it, as it, they had hoped it could have been. Mm-hmm. Right. And that all folds into the 1960s concrete confidence. So you think lack of oversight, I'm sorry, you think environmental corrosion folds into 60s confidence or no? I think so, because it, okay. it's, it, it's not the environment, you know, the environment is just doing what the environment does, right? Sure, sure. Well, um, but as it, a result of us. Exactly. Kind of. <laughs> exactly True. as a result of us and we were just way too confident in concrete in yes. the 60s I, i'm with you you know uh-huh. mm-hmm. i also think that we can take mafia involvement off of the list just because there's not enough proof fine i was if just you, trying to get the right. you know trying to get a little sound bite for the listeners you know that'll bring <laughs> bring some people in yeah, fans the, of Goodfellas and yeah, exactly. fans of the Godfather trilogy. <laughs> fans of the Sopranos. Yeah, no, we don't want to blame. We don't want to blame them just for our own for our own self preservation. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and we still have the Benetton family um, that they could end up going to the alarmist jail. I think we could take off the big C capitalism because um, I, while it did not help in sort of the, the, I feel like there was more at play in terms of construction and, you know, uh, Mussolini and them not, you know, mm-hmm. putting enough uh, redundancy in there in the design. That yeah. So, it seems so, like it was built for like a functional purpose, not to like make money. Capitalism kind of got involved and messed up the like maintenance, the it seems maintenance, like. Yeah. But it doesn't seem like initially it's the root problem. No. If anything, it's more of the corruption in the privatized mm. infrastructure. Um, sh- should we take Mussolini off the list for this one? I think so. Yeah. yeah. As I mean, fun as we... it is to keep them on. Yeah. <laughs> I also think aesthetic, van- I think it was more than aesthetic vanity. I mean, I uh, yes, I think he did, he, he worked with what he had and he made it pretty, right? Uh, uh, the Mirandi? designer, Mirandi, yeah. Mirandi. Uh, yeah, the, but- the, the aesthetics weren't at the forefront. Like he was really, considering all of the structural elements i think and it just happened to look cool to do it this way yes exactly he was working with what he had and he was like oh this will be awesome let's do it this way yeah and he's like oh no man i did it wrong but no one will listen exactly Um, (laughs) oh no man (laughs) um and i think that poor maintenance falls in falls on the autostrada okay Mm, sure right I think poor maintenance, I don't know. I think poor maintenance is, maybe Autostrada falls under poor maintenance. Okay. So, you, yeah, you want to send a bigger message is what you're saying. Well, yeah, it just feels like people kept on saying over and over again, like, this has to be maintained. And that specific section did not get the maintenance that, Interesting. It, that it needed. And therefore, it collapsed, potentially. Okay. I, I, I agree with that. And then... The, you know, the Benetton family, I guess, will, will, okay, this is what we've got going. Lack of oversight and planning, lack of redundancy, the 60s concrete confidence, pylon nine construction, poor maintenance, corruption of uh, privatized infrastructure, and the Benetton family. Benetton family goes into the corruption of the private, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I also Um, feel like you can wrap up lack of oversight and redundancy maybe or, or like pylon nine construction all of those can be some, like wrapped into something i'm not sure yeah well let's do lack of uh redundancy and lack of oversight planning we can we can still fold that into the concrete confidence because it's like they didn't feel like they needed to mm-hmm. think about that because they're like it's concrete it's never going to fall down it's kind of like the titanic saying it's like it's unsinkable so they're like great we don't need that many you know life boats so this it's like it's concrete it's it doesn't need maintenance like that confidence sent a message at the beginning that was just sort of like all right cool we'll like kick back and we don't have to do maintenance because we love concrete we're confident in it (laughs) we love concrete (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know like that's if you start out that way you can't then back it's hard to backtrack because people are like ready to take you at your word because it means less work and less money for them you know so here's what i'm thinking farron mm-hmm. and chris and clayton mm-hmm. of these four that are left i think that we should send poor maintenance to the alarmist jail and i think that we should slap 
the corruption and the privatized infrastructure. What do you think about that? Or does it go vice versa where the poor maintenance is because of the corruption and privatized infrastructure? It's really close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. God, I don't know. Maybe. But I just feel like if we had a different idea of maintenance, if we had, if we changed the conversation around maintenance, mm-hmm. perhaps it would be higher on the priority on, on, list. on the to-do list. Yes. Yeah. I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you on that. It's like thinking about all of the like infrastructure crisis. It's like the word maintenance needs a It'd rebrand. Be, it needs, a, I was just going to say it needs a <laughs> brand <laughs> refresh. You know? Yeah. It's the exactly word maintenance is due for a, let's, it's got to get, get an, let's get an accent on one of those. <laughs> let's get an accent on one of those, uh, Vowels in there, maintenance or something, maintenance or something. Do <laughs> you think that'll do it, Chris? <laughs> That's the rebranding it needs. I mean, uh, let's start the conversation. <laughs> what if we there, added a Z willing... at the end, Ooh. like poor maintenance? Maintenance. Yeah, if maintenance <laughs> had a Z at the end, I think the ki- like definitely the Gen Z would get be more yeah, they'd interested. Be behind it. Yeah, kids... just add an exclamation point. It should just be like maintenance. Like it's a because f- maintenance seems like oh, but it's like yes, I love maintenance. So fun. <laughs> Excitement. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna call it corruption, privatized infrastructure. You're getting the big slap. Poor maintenance. You're going to the alarmist jail. Okay, no more thinking bad thoughts uh, when it comes to maintenance. No Get, more thinking go. bad thoughts. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at my household chores completely differently now. Yeah. It's like I've got. It's yeah. a purpose. It's a higher purpose. It just it feels really righteous in a way that feels like I'm preventing future uh, collapse. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you. That's exactly and the rest what. That's yes. literally what you're doing. Collapse of your yeah. life, your personal mm-hmm. life, which is important. That could be a tragedy yeah. too. I agree. Baron, thank you so much for joining us today My and pleasure. helping us get to the bottom of who's to blame for the Genoa Bridge collapse. Thank you for having me. After the Genoa Bridge collapse, in August of 2019, one year after Ponte Morandi's collapse, the remaining 4,500 tons of concrete and steel were demolished to allow for construction of a new bridge. In just 10 months, the San Giorgio Motorway Bridge was built. Designed by another renowned architect and Genoa native, Renzo Piano, The bridge was inaugurated in August of 2020, bringing with it a renowned sense of pride to the devastated area, and features 43 lamps in memory of the victims. This past June, prosecutors in Genoa formally requested a trial for the 59 defendants charged with multiple manslaughter in the 2018 collapse. Hearings to determine whether the case will go to trial are expected to begin any day now. you think is to blame by going to the alarmistpodcast.com follow us at the alarmist the on twitter at the alarmist podcast on instagram or email us at the alarmist podcast at gmail.com tune in next week we'll be discussing the shining 
Stereos. Powered by ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.